You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Well met, fellow adventurers. So previously, I went back in time and met and met Wellif, Wellif Timnook and Thane and Mazabak back when they were kids, and I tried to make some changes to history. Fortunately, I got whooped, whooped. I got punted out back out of the time stream before I could actually destroy the journal. So all I could do was say, don't look at them. Now, make you all hideous and evil. So now I'm going to see what effect Dave, effect Dave had. Bewildered by having been thrust into the thick of things, you managed to settle your thoughts. It is then that you realise that Mazenbach... His face no longer disfigured, which was previously alluded to by Waylif, is attempting to destroy one of the thrones mentioned to you by Owl and Cowalif. Okay, his face is not disfigured, so that's one improvement on this timeline at least. You clearly recall your previous encounter with one of the Grand Chairs. An encounter, it seems, took place only minutes ago. The words occurred in another time and place entirely. Separate reality which now, because of your intervention, will never come to be. For the moment you're left to assume or hope. Or hope that his three siblings, Tumifra, Umla and Welif, have also somehow been spared the ravages of the ghastly disfigurement. Drove them to buy hide their faces, and in part fueled their perilous ambitions. Another shudder passes through the cave, drawing your thoughts back to the present. Ahead of you, swiftly disappearing into the gloom of the shaking passage, is Mazenbach. Before he's completely swallowed by the darkness, he turns and salutes you with a final wave. As if cued by his gesture, a sharp hiss from behind sends your pulse waiting. You spin around and find yourself confronted by a surging tide of silver armoured tuzzle. 
as more than a dozen sinister, plated snake men sliver over the toppled wall of stone that once sealed the mouth of the cave. You draw yourself into a defensive stance and prepare to engage the deadly horde. Wings of crimson flame weave the arms of the fourteen surging reptilians. So, I've got a few options here. I could just fight them. Evie, I could use elementalism or shadow magic. Presumably to dodge the fire attack they're doing. The telekinesis was at level 70. I could use that, but it isn't, so I can't. I will use shadow magic. It succeeded for 24 XP. You summon your power of shadow magic. A chorus of faint whispers fill your head as a broad band of gloom peels itself off the wall of the cave and slivers forth to envelop the first line of the surging horde of Cesaro. The gruesome screams of the snake men echo throughout the cave as the shadow swiftly crushes them. Five of the fourteen armoured Tazar quickly succumb to the relentless, deadly grip of the massive shadow. Oh my. I've killed five foes with one magic. That's pretty impressive. Yes, because outside of battle, it's usually a lot more effective. Because you never quite know what's going to happen. Uh, what? You hold your ground and bravely engage the sixth of the fourteen armatures are. Begin combat. Swipes it to its plated, fire-weaved arms. Yeah, and golf by the flames of your enemy's attack. Nineteen damage. Another one for another nineteen damage. Slaying your foe. A hundred and thirty-five XP. Blimey. I feel. I feel I. Might have, I think I've probably cost myself quite a bit XP by using that shadow magic there. But yeah, well, there's, I can get more XP. You know, I can do that. I can do do that. The pool of muck. That'll get me some XP. The armatus are collapses onto the ground before you, with a final ragged hiss. Expires. Is the seventh just gonna quick combat them because they're all pretty similar? Another hundred and thirty-five from that one. So that's so that'll be a hundred and twenty-eight that you get that you get anyway, and then a seven from how difficult it is. It expires two, number eight, another hundred and thirty-six. So you get slightly more from that one because it's harder. 137 and 137 again. Alright. 40. Here's the 12th. Another 137. 13. 137. And 14. The last of the 14 armed design. 137 XP for that, too. The last of the Armatazari collapses onto the ground before you and issues a final, ragged hiss before expiring. Suddenly, the ground beneath your feet begins to shake. 
Instinctively, you rush out the mouth of the cave and into the open air, where your eyes fall upon a dreadful sight. Stomping out the forest to the east is a massive stone and iron construct, the towering being of rock and metal, its heavy football sending tremors through the earth in all directions, moves swiftly towards you. And I'm definitely going to heal before I fight that. Yep, just use the quick heal button to quickly heal. With the stone and iron Benemoth bearing down on you, its massive fist poised to strike you a single decisive blow, you hurriedly draw yourself into combat-ready stance. Suddenly, you spot a figure moving out from the edge of the forest, sweeping along the very trail through the brush created by the advancing construct. It's Gwyleth, the young, frail man, easily recognisable, for visibly much older than when you last saw him over a decade ago, shouts to you as he rushes up from behind the lumbering construct. He draws to within only a few yards of your towering throw, halts and holds up his left hand. A blazing wing of crimson flame erupts from his wrist, and he promptly whap- snaps his right hand to the hilt of his sword. In an unnerving display of speed that catches takes you aback and catches Will off guard, the construct spins round with a precise, devastating blow, made possible only by the incredible reach of its massive arms. The fearsome being of iron and stone crushes the young man's skull. Willif topples to the ground, his sword slipping from his lifeless fingers as he falls. Without a second thought, you leap forward and attack the towering construct. Well, I guess on the plus side, that this means the Grand Century is not going to emerge. Or if it does emerge, it's going to be another far less formidable person. Because obviously the chairs would have chosen the most formidable person. Because, I mean, these chairs are smart. Probably. And I mean, they can go through time and space. So, if they wanted someone to become the magical dictator of a city for reasons, then they would have, they would somehow, using their evil, evil, magical, time-travelling, mind-control, Tazal-spawning powers, have got the most powerful one they can get. So, now at least... Cardson is going to be in a better state. But I don't think he's evil yet. So I don't I don't really feel good about him getting smashed in. I boldly battle the massive construct. Gah how dare you The co- the town's construct smashes at you with his massive fist. The massive construct shudders as his mental fists certainly emit a fierce golden glow. You sense the construct is slowly increasing its strength. Yeah, yeah, it keeps doing that. Keeps making itself stronger, but not strong enough. Now, if I was a bit weaker, that would be a lot of trouble. But I'm not, so it isn't. You have slain your foe. 139 XP. In the wake of the brutal contest, an eerie silence falls over the area. 
you leap over the smashed remains of the massive stone and iron construct and rush toward Relief, who lies on moving at the edge of the forest. You covered less than ten yards when a loud, crackling sound shatters the silence. You turn to the north and find a wall of flame rising swiftly out of the ground. Merging from the field of fire are seven towering beings of flame. The blazing fire, fire elementals, roughly humanoid in appearance, but easily twice your side, or identical to those you encountered, the burning ruins of Bear Path Lodge. Hmm. So these still emerged, even though the Grand Century has never been. So they weren't of they weren't the Grand Century's design. They were they were from the thrones themselves, hopelessly wary, and for your prospect survival looking increasingly grim, you bravely hold your ground, prepare to engage the first of the fearsome elementals. It's a blazing fire elemental, one of seven. Begin combat. Obviously, I have no choice but to kill them. I can also quick combat it. The fearsome firemental blazes brightly as it strikes at you, engulfed by the flames of enemy's attack for 20 damage. Yep, and it keeps bash, 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 slain. 72 experience. With an echoing war and a wave of intense heat, the mighty fire elemental dissipates, leaving holding a smouldering pile of black embers on the ground before you. The next of the flaming terrors strides forward and attacks. Just going to quick combat these. Oh no! Oh, oh my! I've been, lowered, I've been lowered to 36 XP. Okay, quickstone time. The quickstone shimmers and grows bright red as it fully heals you. Yeah, and now 41 XP. With an echoing roar and a wave of intense heat. The mighty fire elemental rapidly dissipates, leaving only a smouldering pile of black embers on the ground before you. It's the third one. Quick combat. Another 41 XP. With an echoing roar and a wave of intense heat, the mighty fire elemental rapidly dissipates, leaving only a smouldering pile of black embers on the ground before you. It's the fourth one. Another 41 XP. The fifth one, another 41 XP. And here we go, number six, the Pomultimate. 41 XP, the last of the seven flaming terrors strides forward and attacks. Quick combat, that one, 41 XP. And then 1024 XP to general. You stagger back from the pile of smouldering embers that marks the spot where the last fire elemental fell. As you prepare to once again make your way over to Elif, a loud crackling sound again fills the air. Okay, what are you sending this time? Tazul? Flame elementals? Constructs? Something new? Some giant stake of fire? With glowing dis... With growing despair, you turn to the north, where another wall of fire is swiftly rising out of the ground. 
emerging from the field of fire are seven more towering beings of flame. Oh dear. How many beings of flames do you have? Suddenly, a low, pulsing hum fills the air. You glance over your shoulder at the swirling black portal opening to the south. Apprehension quickly turns to relief as two figures you instantly recognise step out of the inky core of the vortex, Humelia and Tumwitha, their faces hidden behind long, dark veils. Rush forward to stand at your side. With her arms raised high above her head, Tumifra utters a string of strange verses, and almost at once the flames of the advancing fire elementals begin to diminish in both size and intensity. In a matter of moments, only piles of smouldering ash remain. Okay, looks like they're good they're good now too. So Mazabak, well okay, I think he was if not good then good in better better. And he was good, but now Rayleth, or as he becomes the Grand Sentry, no longer is, is, is dead, and the two witches are good. Yep, alright, this. Alright, that's, that's uh, two out of three. Two out of three ain't bad. I guess. In a matter of moments, only parts of smouldering ash remain. I've probably said that before, haven't I? With the fire elementals now vanquished, Tumifu and Hermir move swiftly over to where Willith lies unmoving. No pronouncement is made. Humilia, a dark veil stirring in the breeze that drifts along the edge of the wood, kneels down and folds her brother's arms across his chest. She then returns to her feet stands at her sister's side, gazing down in silence at a face she will never forget, and a sight that will forever haunt her. Mazabrak's sudden emergence from the gloom-filled mouth of the cave almost goes unnoticed. He places his left hand on your shoulder and tells you his task is complete. Then, after casting a dread-laden glance in the direction of Willis' body, he starts slowly over towards his sister. Okay, the throne is destroyed. But we know there are about five thrones. And we don't know how much damage the throne did in advance. So it's not quite over. But it's nearly over. Mesabrap dots to his knees at his brother's side and cradles Wellis' bloodied hands in his trembling head, in his trembling hands. Tumifra, expression hidden behind the dark veil, steals most of her face, closes her eyes, and at last turns away. Yuma leans down and picks up Wellis' sword, the weapon he was raising when he was brutally struck down. Your eyes dart between the three siblings. Only now, in the immediate wake of Willis' ultimately demise, in the solemn presence of his three surviving kins, do you wonder at the facts that only Mazenbach's face is not hidden. As if he has heard your thoughts, perhaps noticed your questioning glances, the chain-clad swordsman, still kneeling next to his fallen brother, turns a tear-stricken face towards you, 
didn't go home with them that day, he says, startling you with the sudden and unexpected remission of your previous encounter. Fister fully explained himself, he lifts up his wide arm and displays the platinum car story, star coin dangling from the chain above his wrist, the coin you gave him over a decade ago. Believe me, I've wished with every drawn breath since that I had. Without warning, a thick, swirling band of grey mist takes form just overhead and swiftly descends, rapidly enveloping you in a churning sea of dense fog. A powerful, disorientating sensation washes over you. Okay, so... So I'm guessing what happened was he stayed completely away from the book. But these the these the other siblings briefly looked at it, but without M- Mazenbach to study it more further, they couldn't get deep enough into its mysteries to be completely ruined. Instead, they just got a bit scarred, scarred enough that they're not going to show their face in public, but less. Presumably less. Hard to say. Hard to say. Especially since I've not really... I've not seen any of their faces in either states. But we know it's bad because they're, because they're wearing... They're wet, they're per, their faces are permanently obscured. Which, in normal times... Which in normal times you usually only do if you you're okay. Normal times in stories, you only do if you've been hideously scarred, hideously, ridiculously scarred and warped and mutated, so you have a vaguely head-shaped blob of flesh where your face used to be. Without warning. Thick, swirling band of grey mist takes form just overhead and swiftly descends, rapidly enveloping you in a churning sea of dense fog. A powerful, disorientating sensation washes over you. The sense of disorientation slowly starts to fade, and as it it does, the mist that envelops you begins to lift. As the fog dissipates, you're startled to find your wary glaze settling upon a scene entirely different from the one that confronted you only moments ago. And that finishes this scenario with 3,072 experience to general and another 384 experience to all skills and powers. Hmm. So let's see. So the next one is... The Older Throne, Part 1. Okay, so apparently, even, even, apparently, even though I've prevented the throne's latest scheme of, of corrupting Rayleigh Tomluk and turning him into the Grand Century for reasons, reasons that ultimately lead to the destruction of the world, in ways, in complicated ways, 
Yes. But now, but still, in another time and in another place, the throne remains. And the throne is scheming. The throne is waiting. The throne is there, looking for someone to sit upon it. And when that person sits upon it, they will either be killed or corrupted. But, and since the throne is still there in a previous time, and of course now, then there are the other thrones. Got to deal with those too. I mean, apparently there's five of these thrones, just scattered throughout, scattered throughout the kingdom and a bit of the next kingdom. So anyway, on to the next scenario. It's called the Older Throne, Part One. Begin the scenario. Okay, let's see. That's the recap of what I've just said. And now, you stumble forward for several feet along a dark, fog-filled stone corridor. Regaining your balance, you draw to a halt and instinctively assume a defensive stance, peering first into the gloom ahead and then back over your shoulder on the broad, shadowy hall. Nothing stirs in the darkness in either direction. Soup, I am here. Please, look at me. A soft voice, barely above a whisper, sends your pulse racing. With your every nerve on edge, you turn to your left, only to be confronted by a faint, white, wavering apparition of a young woman garbled in a waggy cloak. Beneath the cloak, the ghostly woman is clad in a shimmering tunic. To your moat, much to your horror, is streaked with blood. You immediately recognise the going face staring at you from across the dark passage. It's the younger face of the sorceress you first met on met us on the smoking hill in the jagged hills on Sangard Islands. It's the face of Kilowath the Seer. You quickly ask Kalaf if, if, if at last your task is done and if you've been returned to your own time. You also ask her if your mission thus far as murky as the parents disparate parts have been has been a success. Do you not know victory when it is within your grasp? He says, smiling. You've succeeded to this point beyond all hope, Zoop. And yet, it could never have been otherwise. Also, meeting here and now would never have been. But so it is. Here we are. In a time and place quite different from that which you have known. It's a different reality entirely from than that which you abandoned when you entered the chasm of time. And yet... Much of what you have known is still intact, though not all. You ask the seer why she has appeared only as an apparition, and, and if you are back in time, do you consider the present? The present, yes. The place in which we find ourselves at any given time is indeed the present, for it is not the time you left behind when you fell the chasm. We are nearly 500 years too early for our first meeting that lamp-lit chamber beneath the streets of Carson. We are here because our task is not quite at an end. We are soon to enter its most critical and perilous phase. You nod, signifying that you've understood what has, what has been related to you, 
and ask her again why she's appeared in such a ghostly form. I have not enough power left to take shape in this reality, she says, her image flickering and her voice nearly fading to silence. Neither do I dare to so imprudently tempt fate. Our enemies at work, Soup. The lords of time have not been idle. Even now they seek to unravel what you've already altered. You and I will not remain forever unknown to them. It is likely that another time and place, presently beyond our sight, they are beginning to discover designs long laid against them. And perhaps starting to fathom the unwelcome changes your transversal of the chasm has ushered in. They will undoubtedly, at long last, take notice of you, and for the first time, learn of my meddling. Wait, wait. You ask Kellef about Carson and the Grand Century, wondering if your journey into the chasm of time. Time has played any part in altering the destiny of the sitting state, or that of its sorcerer lord. Cardson was always to be, she says, her voice stronger than it was only moments ago. I think you'll come to find the city will be of no small importance during the future. Which is to say your present. The present you will soon know. The Grand Century, he was one of several dangerous anomalies. An unwilling but thoroughly corrupted vessel upon which our enemies exerted their malicious might. You last looked upon it only a moment ago, as you may remember, cradled in death by his brother, and mourned in painful silence by his sister. Thanks to you, Willow Tamek never dared to peer at the pages of those journals. Willow told you that defending against any moves your enemies might make to preempt your successes, past and future, is futile. We've already altered that which could be safely changed, she says. We must now move quickly and decisively. We must strike the enemy where they are most vulnerable. We will tear down their worldly manifestations and bring down, bring about the end of their terrible tool before it could be put to use. This tool is the anchor that moors their cruel intents to the times and places they seek to infiltrate. Its destruction will ensure their defeat, or at least their disinterest in this reality. Let them let them turn their eyes elsewhere. That will be my concern, not yours. You will spare this one time and place yours, the ravages. It would otherwise know at the hand Zoop. You must destroy the Alder Throne. You ask Caliph why it is your nameless enemies. Referred to more than once as Master's Time, not simply tw- transversed time to undo your actions and thwart your successes. They will try. That much is not in question, she says, her voice again raging. But the destruction of the throne is something that even the full might of their sinister craft cannot hope to reverse. The Elder Throne, like its brethren, exists in no particular time. Its origin and the true extents of its terrible powers are likely never to be known. I will never know its cruel secret, Zoop, and I hope as much for you. But you and I knows 
that which will cast the great chair into ruin. Caliph unfolds her hand, reveals a small, star-covered platinum coin. The flickering image of the coin in her ghostly hand is identical to the coins you still possess. You must move quickly. Time, so limitless an entity, is no longer our ally. We have thus star used it to suit our purposes. We can only rely on it to tolerate our trespasses once more. That chance will pleasantly be afforded to us. Be your one chance to destroy the throne. A flood of questions enter your mind, and you begin to voice them to the apparition of the seer. Cloud closes your eyes and begins to fade from view. Without warning, a thick, swirling band of grey mist takes form just overhead and swiftly descends, rapidly enveloping you in a churning sea of dense fog. A powerful, disorientating sensation washes over you. The sense of disorientation slowly starts to fade, and as it does, the mist that envelops you begins to lift. As the fog dissipates, you're startled to find your wary gaze assessing itself upon a scene entirely different from the one that confronted you only moments ago. Standing on a broad high ledge, your gaze sweeps across the wide, gloom-studded vale far below, its forests and hills wrapped in the dark quiet of a late summer's night. Wondering at the sea now lay before you, you cautiously step back from the jagged lip of the brink and continue to study your shadowy surroundings. On almost the precise centre of the valley below, a large grey shape seems to rise out of the darkness, spreading out across the backs, across the backs of the rolling hills, like the claws of some great beast. You are suddenly realise you are looking down at the city of Cards as it stood 500 years ago. A brief flickering of pale light to your left causes you to turn your head in that direction. There, within arm's reach, stands the faint, glowing apparition of Cowlith. You cautiously note the blood that previously stains the tunic beneath her cloak is gone. The young seer's eyes are fixed on the spectre of the distant city. Watch these ancient skies, she says. Pausing after his, each word is his efforts to speak painter. There is truth to be found in the old tellings. No sooner has she fallen silent, a low rumble from somewhere far across the blackened sky reaches your ears. A distant flash of white light momentarily pierces the, sea, the churning ceiling of dark clouds. Suddenly... In a voice stronger than you expected her, capable of mustering, Caliph begins to recite a strange rhyme, pausing for several seconds after each verse. We wait as faithful wardens. The time draws near. Three times the skies will light. The horns of the great heralds will sound. We are to be ready. We are always we are to always be prepared. Nothing will prevent the return. There is no power that can. 
Having concluded the wine, Kalef closes her eyes and nods. You sense the recital of the verses and serve to weaken her. We'll watch together, she says softly. With bated breath and with your every sense alert, you lock your gaze on the swirling ceiling of clouds high overhead. A quick glance at the young seer's apparition reveals her head is also turned skyward, though her eyes are closed. Suddenly, a binding flash of white light stabs through the clouds far above the northern edge of the vale. A low rumble, like the war of distant thunder, reaches your ears, and the ground beneath your feet trembles ever so slightly. Twice more, in rapid succession, a blinding flash is repeated. Twice more is a complete wonder. Rumble. A sound inexplicably fills you with dread. Rolls across the night-shrouded landscape. A startling roar swiftly follows the chorus of rumbles, rising to a near-deafening pitch, before fading, then rising again, at last descending into a steady, reverberating th- hum. You're about to turn to Kyleth, seeking an explanation for what you're witnessing, when a sharp, crackling sound momentarily displaces the hum. A bright, white, spiritical shape, weaved in flame, erupts through the clouds and plummets through the night sky, leaving a broad trail of thick, grey smoke in its west. As quickly as it appears, the white Flow-glowing fire-and-gore spear vanishes and drops into the forest on the northern northern side of the vale. Only a thick, rapidly dissipating trail, tra- trail of grey smoke remains to mark its steep path of descent. You turn to Carliff, only to find her face is still turned to the sky and her eyes remain closed. Caliph, her ghostly eyes flickering wildly, turns to you and opens her eyes. You're surprised to find it's no longer the face of the young seer that stares back at you. It's the face of the sorceress you first encountered on the hills of Sangard Isle. It is here, she says. Whether by fortune or design, the old prophecies have been proven true. It's not the first time the throne has alighted here. You must make certain it's the last. Even now, its call goes out. It draws to it, draws in its defenders while it waits. Its patience is infinite. It will wait a day, a year, a thousand centuries until one capable of harnessing even a sliver of its sinister power dares to sit upon it. I fear that despite what you may have successfully altered, the throne may yet find its way into the city. There, protected by the walls and might of the isolated stronghold, it will wait for one worthy of its secrets. This, of course, must not come to pass. You ask Carliff about the glowing fire with his spear that shot across the sky, disappeared into the forest on the northern edge of the vale. The sorceress snobs and tells you you must make your way to the throne. Go to it, she says. There is no time for further delay. You will find the throne at the source of the smoke. 
Only you possess both the means and the will to destroy it. You may, fri- may find that more than the thrones awaits you. It's not be swayed from your course. The rulers on the move, friend and foe, put each of them an equal danger to the success of our mission, for they will not destroy that which they seek, no matter how strong their desire is to do so. Go now. You may not ever see me again. But you must know that you forever bear my gratitude and my respect. How is it? You turn and gaze across the dark valley below to where a thick stream of grey smoke rises out of the northern forest. You estimate you are nearly three miles from the spot where the fiery spear vanished beneath behind the trees. Turning back to Kalef with one final question to pose to the sorceress, shocked to discover she is no longer there. Alone on the prefaces of perhaps the most important leg of your long journey, you push aside a burgeoning sense of dismay and focus your mind to focus on the task immediately at hand. Armed with the wisdom imparted to you by Kaerolith, and possessing a keen desire to see through the final stage of your perilous mission, you promptly set off through the dark, heading down from the ledge overlooking the valley and moving swiftly through a tangled ancient forest. The woodland wrapped in the treacherous cloak of night. The first mile of your trek proves difficult as you quickly find yourself p- picking a precarious path across across a region whittled with small bulks and, ama- and mazes of uprooted trees. Despite the treacherous, confusing terrain, you're guided ever closer to your destination by the faint but pungent odour of drifting smoke. As you pass out of what proves to be the last of the box, you find yourself entering an open area dominated by soaring hardwoods and long spines of an exposed exposed ledge. Suddenly, you spot movement through the trees ahead, instinctively halt, and press your back against the thick trunk of the ancient oak, ancient oak as you watch a long line of shadowy figures move steadily to the north, just beyond the nearby thickest of firs. You step closer to the sizable group, keeping low to the ground, and attempting to move without undue sound. You're shocked and dismayed when you draw close enough to clearly make out the members of the swiftly departing horde. Slivering north through the forest, the closest of their number, less than 20 yards from where you remain crouched in the forest, are nearly two dozen Tarzel. Tarzel again. Yep. Apparently, these chairs... Have a fondness for snake men. As as the horde of Tazor passes by, you realise the vicious reptilians must be heading towards the source of the smoke and continues to drift through the forest. Immediately wonder if you used to make an attempt to waylay such a large, for, large force. Attempt to waylay the large band of Tazor or allow the band of Tazor to pass. Obviously, I'm going to waylay them. Believing, believing that by allowing the Tuzzle to continue towards the source of the smoke unhindered, you're endangering your own mission. 
decide to take bold action. Attempt to waylay the reptilians. Realise you must act quickly. The tussle were moving swiftly and would soon have passed out of sight. So there's a few options. I could attempt to ambush the large band of tassel, or I can use elementalism 70 plus. If I had gating or telekinesis at 70 plus, I could use those, but I don't, so I can't use elementalism at 70 plus then. It succeeded. 24x speed to elementalism. Summoned by your mastery of elementalism. A trio of savage air elementals tear through the tops of trees and swiftly descend upon the startled band of Tazor. Sev several of the vicious reptilians move away from the west of their brethren to engage the shrieking elementals. At the, at the conclusion of a brief but brutal fight, the elementals retreat into the night sky, leaving seven Tazor dead and dying on the forest floor. You're profoundly struck by the lack of concern displayed by the remainder of the sizable Tarzal band. The horde of creatures continues to sliver north through the forest without any apparent regard for the sudden disappearance and slay of their kin. Immediately sense that something something you have not been able to comprehend not yet been able to comprehend is drawing the reptilians towards a distant source of smoke. A shrill hiss from behind shatters the momentary silence and sends your pulse racing. You spin round to find two axe-wielding tuzzles slivering towards you. These straggling reptilians, their narrowed eyes seemingly aglow, have obvious designs on ending your life. With the west of the last tuzzle band disappearing to the forest of the north, you hurriedly assume a defensive stance as you prepare to engage the first of your two vicious reptilian foes, the Tazor warrior. The vicious reptilian hacks at you with his stone-bladed axe. Okay, yep, this is just a regular Tazor. No flaming gauntlets or anything. It's his slay. 21 XP. With blood spearing out of a series of nasty wounds that now whittle its scaled torso. The Zar warrior slumps to the forest floor at your feet. The vicious creature's weaving body goes limp. Only a moment before the second axe-wielding snake man is upon you. It's another Tuzzle warrior. Just going to bash him. The vicious reptilian hacks into a stone-bladed axe. Bash, 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 bash. It is slain. 21 XP. And then 256 experience to general. You step back from the bloody carcass of the pair of slain Tazol and pause to catch your breath. The west of the Zal horde is now out of sight, having slivered off into the thick of the wood to the north. You wait for several minutes, remaining alert for any further sign of movement in the surrounding forest. When at last you're convinced you are no longer in intimate peril, you once again hurry along through the dark wood, following the pungent odour. Of distant smoke. Nearly an hour after your encounter with the band of Tazel, you arrive at your destination. Passing to the west around the base of a steep tree-lined hillock, you catch your first glimpse of a strange and unsettling steam scene. 
standing at the southern foot of a low stony ridge, you stare out across a wide, smouldering stretch of forest. In the midst of the burning swath, bedded almost two feet into the charred woodland floor, is a massive sporadic object, easily the size of a small building. Now and again, thin tines of blue and white energy streak across the surface, across the smooth, dark surface of the giant orb, their crackling momentarily drowning out the hiss of small fires that jet burn across the broad opening amidst the trees. Suddenly, a bright crimson blaze pierces the dense gloom that surrounds the massive spear. You watch with, gro- with a growing sense of dread as two towering beings of flame emerge from the shadows and begin to move around the perimeter of the strange orb. You promptly and unhappily recall your previous encounters with fire elementals identical to those just now just over a dozen yards from you. Not daring to take your eyes off the pair of towering flare and fire elementals more than a few moments, you quickly scour the forest floor around the massive spear and note several conical piles of black, smouldering embers. Thin trials of smoke rise up from the charred heaps. Recalling the remains left behind by the immortal beings you previously encountered, you conclude that a large number of these fiery beings have recently perished here, like the result of whatever calamity befell the giant orb and caused its fiery plummet from the sky. Yes. Is there some sort of time war going on? Because we, we know that these chairs go through time, and something attacks it. Really, the only thing that can attack something that go through time there's something else that can go through time. So there's been a time war? And there's, all of this is just... These chairs just arrived on Earth as just a random side effect of a skirmish in a time war? Blimey. Suddenly, you catch sight of something moving through the forest to the east. Careful to avoid any quick movements. You slowly pivot your head and spot the large band of trazzle you previously encountered emerging from the forest at the eastern end of the burning swath. The reptilians have emboldened at the sight of the giant spear, hiss wildly and sliver into the open. The two elementals, alerted to the arrival of the trazzle, turn to face the advancing snake men. A sudden groan, followed by a blinding flash of white light that envelops the white spear, freezes the band of Tazzle. As if stirred to their senses, the vicious band of nearly two dozen reptilians draw to a halt as the violent tremor rattles the ground. You watch in stunned silence as four stone and iron venomous, the very top construct you've encountered numerous times Previously, striding to view from beneath the giant orb, the construct, their heavy footfalls shaking in the earth, stomped towards the horde of defiant snake men. The ensuing battle is short but brutal. In only a matter of a few moments, all but one of the stars will lie dead on the smouldering ground. The lone survivor, apparently able to defy the call of the spear, 
the powerful draw that cost its savage kin their lives, turns and slivers off into the forest, his shrill hissing fading as he disappears into the dark, tangled wood. The four constructs promptly retreat to the side of the spear, while the two elementals, their long, winnowy limbs weaving wildly, draw up to the carnage affected by their mighty venomous. Without warning, a towering war, war, wall of flame erupts from the ground beneath the slain Tazal, rapidly consumes the reptilian corpses. As the flames slowly subside, you're shocked by the sight that greets your widening eyes. Standing on the stalked ground previously occupied by the bloody carcass of the slain tassel, it's an entire legion of silver-armoured reptilians. You immediately realise that the nearly two dozen plated tassel are the same creatures that were pummeled and trampled to death by the massive constructs only moments ago. The thick silver plates now covering their upper torso shimmer brightly, even in the darkness. Their clawed hands, now fitted with spiked gauntlets, equip the hilt of glittering scimitars. Your pulse races as you take note of thin tines of blue energy passing across the surfaces of their silver armour. The fearsome horde of armatures all stand rigid and motionless, their long-fought clunks, long-fought tongues thick in and out of their fang mouths, but their eyes remain firmly fixed on the ground. The st- with the, with, st- with, tar- with startling swiftness that, that catches you off guard, the armatazole and the four carrying stongstrucks begin to spread out, forming defensive spit pits pouring around the massive smouldering spear. The two elementals moving at the edge of the large orb suddenly vanish. It's right up there! It's right up here! A harsh whisper from behind almost makes you jump. You spin around to find a group of seven dark-clad humans moving furtively along the base of the hill at your back. The faces of each of the six men and no women appear to have been purposely blackened with ash. Woman creeps along at the head of the party, arrives at your spide side, and greets you with a friendly nod. We'd hope to find more than just one of you, she whispers. The others draw up behind you and crouch down. She too crouches down. She too crouches and then motions for you to follow suit. When you crouch at her side, she points towards the giant spear, resting at the centre of the burning swath. The fulfilment of the prophecy is at hand, she whispers, grinning as she turns to look back over the six men, stooping in the shadows. We never doubted, of course. Nothing could have prevented the return. There is no power that could have. What, so this this chair has arrived here before? Her words cause you to quickly recall the last four verses of the wine. You heard as part of a series of grim visions while on Sargard Isle, and most recently, less than an hour ago, from Caralith, we are to be ready. We are always to be prepared. Nothing can prevent the return. There is no power that can. 
the middle-aged woman, whose name you don't yet know, tells you that she and those in her company learned that you will be joining them before the long-heralded arrival. But she did not expect that she would be alone. I guess, I guess the time defending order people set up the prophecy so that people would arrive to help. One is still better than none, she says quietly. Seems our northern brothers have not forsaken us, at least not in the end. This is the hour when we shall last oversee the fulfilment of the prophecy. This is the hour when we will at last look upon the great throne. Fully realising you have obviously been mistaken for a confederate, decide to say nothing that might jeopardise the motion. The woman and the men in her company make a few quick inquiries, to which you carefully reply with as few details as you can manage. To most of the questions, you merely respond with a nod. You learn this group of seven is one of the few surviving sects of the ancient brotherhood whose cast has long been to await the very events that transpired here tonight. Five generations ago, in a time largely unremembered, our watch began, says the woman. Her, her rousing words are listening nods from the others of the company. It's not happenstance that has drawn us here, under these black skies. It's the end of our tenure as wardens of the return. After our, tonight, our obligations, and the obligations of those who came and passed before our time, will have been met. For what you can summarise, this woman and the six men with her seek to take possession of the throne. But beyond that, you are unable to guess their intentions. Although, quite frankly, I don't think it really matters. Because once they sit on that, once they get to that throne, whatever their intentions are don't matter anymore. What matters is what the throne wants. And if the throne doesn't want them, they die. Shuffling along on their knees, the six men draw into a wide circle, placing their hands on each other's shoulders. You and the women join the circle in the low voices, barely above whispers. The eight present, yourself included, slowly recite the ancient wine. We wait as faithful wardens. The time draws near. Three times the skies will light. The horns of the great heralds will sound. We are to be ready. We are always to be prepared. Nothing will prevent the return. There is no power that can. As the recitation ends, you begin to realise that nearly every verse of the curious one correlates with what you have witnessed this night, a night long before your own time. A night that will perhaps serve as the very outset the ancient and mysterious events you were first encounter on the shores of Sangard Isle, 500 years from now. You are strangely familiar, the woman told you, as you all turn your attention back to the burning swathe forest and the garbage perimeter that now exists around the smouldering spear. All of this is somehow familiar. It's as if we've been here before. Yet I know such a thing cannot be. I am curious to look 
look upon the throne, and certainly you are. Yet we must remember we are here to destroy it, and forever banish its wicked secrets. I mean, I wish you luck, but, I mean, Caliph told you you won't succeed. Uh, and when someone, ha when someone can travel through time, I tend to believe her. Her words cause your heart to skip a beat. You suddenly realise the goal of this mysterious outfit echoes the purpose of your own mission. The glowing sense of release that washes over you becomes even stronger when the woman draws an item out of the pouch dangling from her belt and holds it up for you to see. You stare wide-eyed at the platinum star coin clasped between my thumb and forefinger. And so, it shall at long last be put to use. Wait, how old are these coins? Or are they one of those... Timeless things that doesn't really have an age. I'm going to lean towards the latter. The sudden distant blast of a horn. Somewhere far to the west. Startles you and the others. All eyes turn in the direction of the unnerving sound. Twice more the sounding of two distant horns. Echo through the trees around you. The wailing horn. Horns are inexplicably terrifying, as if they signify the approach of something utterly dreadful. Soldiers, says the woman, turning first to you and then looking back at the men in the company. Soldiers out from the city. They must have seen the fire in the sky. How could we possibly hope they would not? They're not for us. We must complete the task before they arrive. We must make haste. Because presumably the chair will just take this army and just go, okay, okay, let's, and just put itself safely in the city until someone arrives. Your eyes are drawn back to the burning swath, leaving the patch of, leaving the patch of scorched earth, heading west into forest, are a large number of silver armour to Zorb. Two of the, the four stone iron constructs linger along the weir of the stone. The weir of the reptilian possession. We're off to meet this new threat, says the woman. Her eyes sparkling in the mist of the ash that covers her face. Now is our chance. Fate is our ally this night. You nod as you carefully survey the stretch of smouldering ground. That surrounds the massive spear, two silver armatures all, and a pair of towering stone and iron venomous remain. We must make our move now, says the woman, looking first at you and then at her six companions. This will not be any easier if we wait. It will be impossible. One of her companions, the man furthest to your right, points out a, a third stone and iron construct. You quickly note that she addresses the woman to whom you've been speaking as Avelia. Avelia nods and turns to you. Take the three snakes, she says, pointing towards the tarzal. The rest of us will have at those giants. Are we ready? Then let's go. Wait for my signal. You breathe a proposed course of action, stealthily moving to position at the edge of the burning swath. 
only a dozen yards from where, from the unsuspecting Tuzzle, there, crouched in the shadows. You wait for a Valia's signal. Almost on the opposite side of the smouldering patch, you spot Valia and her six companions moving to place behind the trio of towering constructs. Suddenly, a hand shoots into the air, and you watch as, as the seven dark fingers slip out of the gloom, begin a swift advance towards the backs of their fearsome con targets. Following suits, you dart into the open and attempt to launch a surprise attack on the two silver-armoured reptilians. Pick a number. Bonus of 49. 19 from woodmanship, 20 from agility, 10 from body. Need 75 or more. All they'll see me coming. Pick now. 139. Success. The speed and ferocity of your attack catches both silver armatures all off guard. A single, well-placed blow sends the first of the vicious reptilians toppling to the ground. There, writhing the pool of its own blood, the Tazol emits a final, ragged gasp and expires. Doamian Sozzle, the deadly blade of his scimitar alive with flame, shimmers forward and attacks. I'm fighting an armoured Tazor. And bashy, bashy, bashy. The vicious armoured reptilian slashes at you with its flaming scimitar. By the flames of your enemy's attack for 13 damage, then for 15 damage. Okay, quick stones to store to 20. Uh, I'll use that at some point. And it is slain. 41 XP. Stepping back from the bloodied remains of the two armatures all, you turn to find Avalia and the others struggling to hold. Hold their ground against the three stone and iron construct. Suddenly, with a tremendous groan, one of the constructs staggers back and topples to the ground. The resulting impact sends a tremor racing through the earth at your feast. Despite their victory over the first construct, you realise Avela and the others would be hard-pressed to take down the repairing, raining pair without your help. Bounding across the smouldering patch of ground, you set your sights on the nearest of the towering menace. As you draw to within a few yards of the construct, the fearsome stone and iron giant abruptly spins round and swipes to this massive metal-plated fist. So pick a number. Bonus of 40. 20 from agility, 10 for body, 10 from luck. Need 75 or more. Or I get hit in the face. 81 success. Just missed. You dive and roll to your white, narrowly avoiding the towering construct's deadly swipe. As the stone and iron Benemoth draws its metal-plated fist, was a deep impression. His mighty blow left in the scorched earth. You spring to your feet and swiftly assail your fearsome foe. It's a massive construct. The towering construct smashes at you with its energy-entwined fist. And smashes through your defences with devastating blow for 18 damage. Then another one for 22 damage. Stop with the devastating... And then one for the 28 damage. Okay, use that 20... Just to pull me ahead. Bash, 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 bash. And it is slain. 
42 XP. The massive stone and iron construct collapses into a heap of smashed stone and twisted iron on the ground before you. Arcs of golden energy leap across the shattered torso of the strange being for several moments before suddenly vanishing. A cry to your left immediately spins your head in a direction of a nerving sound. Less there, less than five yards away, you watch a Vivela steps over the lifeless bodies of her two companions. With her four remaining con- cohorts at her side, she moves to engage the last standing construct. Realising at once that the five brazen souls are clearly outmatched, you rush forward and place yourself in front of them. With grim determination, you boldly meet the Benemos fearsome attack. It's another massive construct. Construct smashes you with its energy and time fists. It's just going to keep bashing it. I swing my mace. It swings its fists. Oh, devastating blow. Another devastating blow. 23 damage. Devastating blow for 17 damage. And slain. 50 healed. Alright, I'll just... 41 XP. The massive stone and iron construct collapses into a heap of smashed stone and twisted iron as thin arcs of golden energy leap across the substantial breadth of his scattered torso. Yvela steps up to your side and places a hand on your shoulder as an eerie silence places the steady din of battle. A series of distant horn blasts shatter the silence. You promptly turn your gaze to your west. Yvela... Stepping over the bodies of her two stained companions, also looks westward. She quickly rises and returns to your side as the sounding of horns is repeated. You tell Isaiah that you're certain that Hazal and Constructs departed only a few minutes ago, now been engaged. She nods and, sa- and says that the approaching soldiers will easily overwhelm them. That many horns means a great many horsemen riding our way. Those who at this very moment engage our enemies will become our enemies. We must hurry. The startled cry of one of the men in Vela's company makes your blood run cold. You instinctively turn towards the massive smouldering spear, where your eyes fall upon a dreadful sight. Moving swiftly through the darkness towards you, their burning limbs and blazing torso scattering the gloom, are six of the sinister fire elementals. You step to your right and draw yourself into a combat-ready stance as three of the fearsome elementals rapidly bear down on you. Alright? Fighting the first blazing fire elemental who blazes brightly as it strikes out at you. Oh, yeah, and of course, engulfs me a flame for 28 and then 18 damage and slain 72 XP with a deafening war. The fire elemental vanishes, leaving in its wake only a thin, curdling column of grey smoke. A blood-curdling stream rises up through the trees as another of her failure's companions fall in battle, a victim of the ferocious might of the deadly beings of fire. Braving the intense waves of heat animating from the second elemental, you step forward and prepare to engage the blazing fiend. It's a blazing fire elemental. Just quick combat this. 73 XP. 
with a roar and a hiss, the blazing fire ends rapidly dissipate into a thin trail of grey smoke. As you draw yourselves into a defensive stance and prepare to engage the third of the blazing beings, you're startled by the agonised cry of Avelia. You whip your hand to your left and watch as the leader of the cloaked bands falls at the feet of the towering elementals. It's the third or third of three blazing fire rentals. Quick combat, this one. 74 XP. You step back from the pile of smouldering embers at your feet. Prepare to engage the last of the deadly elementals. A pair of sharp cries from behind alerts you to the gruesome deaths of two more of your companions. You spin around and rush to the side of the last man standing, placing yourself between the brave but outmatched warrior and the fiendish blazing elementals towering over me. Alright, it's another blazing fire elemental. Quick combat. It is slain. 73 XP. Leaping over the heaps of embers at your feet, you attempt to thrust yourself between the last of your elementals and your lone standing ally now. I've not got much health left, but I think this is the time to use the Krepek Elixir. And I will. Yeah. Leaping over the heap of embers at your feet, you attempt to thrust between yourself between your last of the elementals and your lone standing ally. Before you can draw the elemental attack, however, the being of flame smites its chosen target with a fearsome blow. The last of Avalia's companions slumps silently to the ground and expires. With its shrill howl now rising into the air, the last fire elemental swells in sighs and charges at you, striping out wildly with deadly, flaming limbs. I'm fighting a massive fire elemental. I shall just... Uh, oh, no, okay, I'm going to regular combat. The fearsome elemental blazes brightly as it strikes at you. Ooh, just went into battle wage. Yes! That's for mind controlling those Tazzle and for killing Avalio and friends and for Bear Path Lodge. Engulfed by the flames of your enemy's attack for 24 damage and another one for 19 damage, but it is slain. 138 XP. The deafening howl, the towering fire elemental vanishes. Replaced by a thick column of smoke rising up from a path of glowing embers at your feet. As you struggle to catch your breath, you step back and gaze about the smouldering field of battle. The six men in the Vela's company are dead. The bloodied and charred remains lie strewn across the blood burning swath of forest. You suddenly realise that you do not see a Vela's body among the fallen. A burst of movement in the direction of the massive spear promptly draws your attention. Moving towards the strange orb, a size stride affected by a profound limp is a veiler. You call out to her and she immediately turns her ash darkened face towards you. Her wide eyes fixed you with a blank but chilling gaze. Nothing will prevent the return, she hisses through clenched teeth. 
citing one of the last verses of the now familiar rhyme. There's no power that can. With that, the sole survivor of the ancient fellowship levels her left hand at you and unleashes a roaring blast of crimson flame. Oh no, looks like the chair got, looks like the throne got to her. Okay, so I can attempt to dodge. Can use shadow magic, elementalism or fortification. I'll use elementalism. He succeeded. One twenty-four experience to elementalism. You channel your power of elementalism. You focus your power on the hurtling bolt of fire and manage, manage to swiftly extinguish the deadly flames. Small, smouldering cinder. All that remains of the deadly flaming missile lands harmlessly on the ground at your feet. Avalia turns, continues towards the massive spear, moving swiftly despite her pronounced mint. You now realise Avalia has no intention of completing her mission. You must do everything in your power to prevent her from reaching the, reaching the orb. So, or I could allow her to weep the orbs, or attempt to prevent her from reaching the orb. Well, I've just said I must do everything in my power to prevent her from reaching the orb, so obviously I've got to prevent her from reaching the orb. Your mind races, you hurriedly determine what course of action would be serve best to prevent a failure from reaching the spear. So I could rush forward and attempt to overtake her, do shadow magic, elementalism, or archery. So there's also the skills of if I level 70, I could use gating, telekinesis, or illusion. I'm going to give shadow magic a go. It succeeded. 24 experience to shadow magic. You channel your power of shadow magic. Two lengths of shadow dancing in the glow of one of the smaller nearby fires begins to whipple and weave as they heed your silent call. The bands of gloom snake across the burning ground and swiftly overtake Avela, wrapping themselves around her legs and dragging her to the ground. Your swift actions prevented Avelia from reaching the spear. Wasting no time, you rush forward and take hold of her to prevent her from regaining her feet. As you reach her side, however, you suddenly find yourself confronted by a new and dire threat. With a loud hiss and a shower of earth and stone, a column of crimson fire whoops out the ground to your left. You instinctively fall back and draw yourself into a combat-ready stance as a tall, winnery being of flame takes form by another of them. As the fearsome elemental strides towards Avelia's prone form, you leap forward, determined to defend her from what is certain death. It's a blazing fire elemental. Blazes brightness, it strikes out at you. Burned by the flames for 24 damage, and then 17 damage, then 22 damage. Stop burning me, it's not nice. Stop. Ooh, 20 damage from the flames. And it is slain. 74 experience. With a deafening war, the mighty fire elemental vanishes, leaving behind only a narrow column of pungent grey smoke. The wises into the dark, cloud-filled sky. The wake of the elemental's dramatic departure 
you're shocked to discover there is no longer any sign of Avena. Without delay, you turn your attention to the massive spear. You rush up to the side of the massive smouldering orb, and shocked to discover its outer shell is entirely gaseous, dense, dark, perpetually swirling vapours from the surface of the strange spiritical vessel. Expecting to encounter some sort of resistance, cautiously extend your hand towards the side of the orb. Much to your surprise, your fingers pass directly through it. Suddenly, drawn by a powerful compulsion to enter the giant spear, you step forward and press your entire body into the orb's vaporous surface. Instantly, your surroundings change. It takes you only a split second to realise you're now standing inside the spear. You gaze around at the dark, circular, smoke-filled interior of the massive spear. Through the gaseous outer shell of this strange vessel, you can make out the blurred red goal of the smouldering fires that dot the burning swath of forest. As the swirling wall of smoke suddenly clears in front of you, your eyes are drawn to a raised metal platform in the centre of the dome's place. Perched atop the unmanned steel place, its wooden iron form strikingly at odds with its strange surroundings. It's a large, older wood throne. Realising at once, you're gazing at the back of the great chair. You're about, about to move around to face its front when a soft hum suddenly fills the air. You watch with glowing depredation as, as the steel platform on which the iron inlaid throne begins to turn. A horrified gasp escapes your lips as the rotating steel platform drives, grinds to a halt and the seat of the throne is revealed. There, slumped back in the grand chair, a sunken, weathered face, the ghastly shadow of what it was only moments ago, is a failure. Slowly, she turns her head towards you and fixes you a haunting gaze. There, Passing her crumbling licks, she croaks out the final three lines of a wire that has so long defined her long, now failed mission. We are always to be prepared. Nothing will prevent the return. There is no power that can. As the voice trails away into a faint whisper, she topples to her side and does not move again. Avalia, a twisted body perched upon the throne she came here to destroy is now forever beyond recall. Standing before the Elder Throne, you watch in silence as Avalia's body rapidly disintegrates, leaving only a small pile of dust in the midst of her heaped apart tire to mark the place where her life and her mission came to an abrupt and terrible end. You're about to step forward and examine the throne, and you spot something moving on the far side of the dome's vertical chamber. Moving cautiously through the smoke-filled space, you arrive at the eastern edge of the orb's interior, and find yourself staring at three floating tablets. A soft white glow surrounds the tablets. As you peer at this, the trio of hovering tablets, you suddenly realise they've been carved out of raven bone. However, it is what you discovered etched onto the surface of the tablets that sends your pulse waiting. 
a strange chain of symbols engraved onto the flat, simmering surface of the waven bone tablets, nearly identical to what filled the pages of the three leather-bound journals formerly in your possession. A surge of heat and a loud hiss caused you to instinctively draw yourself into a battle-ready stance. Rising out of the deepening smoke that blankets the vaporous floor of the spear are two towering fire elementals. Because of course there is. I mean, these, these thrones, they, they like fire and they like snakes. They also, they also so-so about the constructs, but mostly fire and snakes. Fire, snakes, fire, snakes, fire, snakes. Fire, snakes. Sometimes so much they can bind them together and have fire snakes. Moving in a, in a position that will allow you to engage each of the elementals in turn, you draw yourself into a combat-ready stance. Prepare for what promises to be a brutal fight. It's a blazing fire elemental once again. Blazes brightness, it strikes out at you. Just bash, gulfed by the enemy's flames. Gulfed by the flames again. But it is slain. 73 XP. The deafening war, the first of the two hour fire elementals vanishes, leave behind only a narrow column of grey smoke that rises to mingle with the dense cloud of black vapours now filling the spear. The second of the fearsome beings of flame is swiftly upon you. It's a blazing fire elemental. I'm just going to quick combat that. It is slain. 73 XP. We have a loud, loud war and a rush of wind. The second of the fire elemental vanishes, leaving its wake only a thin column of grey smoke. Your heart sinks as two more of the towering willowy beings of flame spring out of the dense black smoke that blankets the ground beneath your feet. Only a split second after taking form, however, the elementals both vanish with a wash of warm air. The vessel, the, the flames have now begun. The flames have now begun to consume the spirit record vessel, closing in on you from each side, and the pungent smoke mercilessly assailing your lungs. You quickly turn your attention to the three waven bone tablets floating in midair, less than four feet away. So I've got a couple of options now. I can attempt to retrieve the tablets or rush towards the throne. So it just I happen to know that if you attempt you succeed in retrieving your tablets, you get a permanent stat boost. So obviously I'm gonna do that. Your hands are promptly repelled by a powerful invisible barrier surrounding the floating tablets. Flames quickly spread across the upper surface of the orb, just above your head. A thick pile of black smoke continues to film the interior, the massive spiritical efforts, spiritical vessels, so I can abandon my efforts or continue to try and reach the tablets. You struggle to work your, work your hands through the invisible field surrounding the floating wave and bone tablets. So pick a number. Bonus of 70. 20 from might, 20 from body, 20 from spirit, 10 from luck. It's 75 or more. So it's a near certain thing. Near certain. I'm not completely certain. Pick now. 
118 success. It's almost a full minute, just as you're about to abandon your efforts to pierce the invisible hour. Your hands suddenly are walk through the field and brush against the surface of the nearest tablet. A jolt of energy surges along both, both your arms and enters your body, where it's swiftly transformed into an agonising, burning sensation. You cry out in pain as wave after wave of intense heat courses through you. Instinctively, you draw your hands back through back through the force field. The pain passing through your body immediately subsides. In the wake of the staggering pain, you feel somehow different. I have gained one MR and one maximum SP. Realising you can't afford to waste another moment here, you rush back through the smoke towards the throne. Struggling to keep the thick black smoke that now fills the interior of the spear out of your eyes, mouth and nose. You move swiftly back in the direction of the Alderwood throne. Standing before the throne, the base of which is now obscured by the thick black smoke that has begun to fill the spear's interior. You gaze in, in marvel at the grand Alderwood chair. Elaborate ironing lathes, nearly identical to those on the two thrones you previously, previous, previously encountered adorn the arms and sides of the ornate seat, despite its grandeur. You can't help but feel the simple throne, built out of wood and iron, strangely out of place in the centre of the vapour washed reticle vessel. Become suddenly become aware of an overpowering urge to sit upon on the throne. Now, admittedly, everything I've heard from now from this has indicated sitting on the throne is a bad idea. However, if you do sit on the throne, you do get a permanent stat boost. And I haven't yet seen any anything happen if you don't sit on the throne so I, I, even though it's a bad idea and I might have just doomed the world by doing it I am going to sit on the throne you cautiously lower yourself onto the broad outward seat of the grand foe once a strange and powerful sensation washes over you your hands instinctively grip the iron airs, ends of the chair's thick arms the smoke-filled interior of the burning spear is swiftly replaced by a dark void. A deep sense of tranquillity descends upon you, removing the last vestiges of doubt from every corner of your mind. Suddenly, almost violently, the tranquil sensation is abruptly shattered by a paralysing wave of dread. Pick a number. Bonus of 60. 20 from mind, 20 from spirit, 20 from aura. I need... 100 or more to succeed. Pick now. 149. Your sense of fear is swiftly replaced by a feeling of breathless exhilaration. Despite the welcome change, you're certain your ordeal from your throne is not yet over. Okay, I've got to keep sitting on this throne to get the bonus. And the doom, if there is any doom, remains seated on the throne. A second and deeper sense of dread washes over you. 
replacing the few moments of tranquility that followed in the wake of the first wave of fear. So pick a number. Bonus of 60. 20 from mind, 20 from spirit, 20 from aura. Need 75 or more. Success with 128. As, as the second... As the second sensation of dread begins to fade, an intense fear is quickly replaced by a sense of breathless exhilaration. Without warning, you inexplicably lose your balance and topple from the phone onto the thick, gaseous floor of the spear. And also, I've got one more MR and one more max SP, which is very nice, although it's probably also very dumb. Because, I mean... We've repeatedly said, don't sit on the thrones. They will kill you or turn you evil or both. And what did I do? Plunk my ass on the throne. Again. Wasting no time, you stagger to your feet as fire erupts through the strange vessel. Honestly, these people know, if they give me a permanent stat, I'll do pretty much anything. <laughs> a fierce blaze is now rapidly consuming the strange vertical vessel. A writhing skin of red and orange flames cover the interior of the swirling gaseous warps. Warps that form the outer shell of the massive spear. Thick black smoke fills the air, making it increasingly difficult to see and breathe. Feel as if your flesh is about to ignite. Tall flames lit the sides of the throne and reach over high, broad back of the ancient chair. Despite the ravaging fire that surrounds it, the throne remains unmarred. Of course it does. You certainly realise you must somehow facilitate the destruction of the throne and escape from this flailing gulf door before you succumb to the deadly heat and smoke that even now threatens to overwhelm you. A particular item may be of use here, and there is no other option but to use it. No more, no more walking, no more wasting time touching tablets and sitting on chairs. It's time to use the Platinum Star Coins. Use. 512 experience to general. Cover your mouth in an attempt to pre prevent inhaling the thick black smoke that swirls about your head. You lean down over the elder throne and place one of the platinum star coins on, the, on your seat. A bright white light momentarily envelops the coin and the throne, but the fierce glow rapidly fades. For a moment, you're not certain your action has changed anything. Then, as you step back from the throne, your eyes tearing profusely from the noxious veils of Salem, you note the sturdy wooden arms and the broad back of the grand chair have begun to blacken! As flames engulf the flow, a deep sense of accomplishment and profound relief washes over you. The moment of elation proves only fleeting and is swiftly replaced by realisation the less you can effect a swift escape from the burning spear. This strange vessel is likely to become your grave. 
you turn and head through the thick billowing smoke towards the gaseous outer wall of the massive burning orb. 60x. Pick a number. Bonus of 60. 20 from mind, 20 from spirit, 20 from body. Need 75 more or presumably I'll be hurt by fire or smoke or heat or carbon monoxide or something else. And I don't want that someone, so let's pick this number. 145 success. Thrown into a violent fit of coughing in a near futile effort to expel the noxious flumes from your lungs. You struggle to remain conscious as you stumble towards the outer wall of the orb, pressing your fingers into the vaporous shell. You feel only a moment or two of slight resistance before all the gaseous wall suddenly gives way. You stagger through the dark, vaporous outer shell, the massive energy entwined spear, and quickly make your way across the smouldering waif of a swath of earth towards the forest edge. A wave of intense heat washes over you as you reach into the shadowy line of trees. Look back to find an inferno of towering crimson flames that engulf the strange orb, fearing that even at this distance the heat emanating from the blaze may prove fatal. You step back several yards and crouch down next to the thick knotted trunks of the two leaning oaks. Forty yards to the north, in the centre of the charred patch of woods, the spear and its sinister contents are burning. A chorus of horn blast suddenly wings out to the west. The sound beneath your feet, ground beneath your feet, trembles ever so slightly, betraying the sizeable mounted force now swiftly bearing down on the scene of destruction. You wait with braced breath, your eyes fixed on the waging fire that is rapidly consuming the spear. From your hidden vantage point, tucked in next to a pair of leaning oaks at the edge of the burning swath, you watch as the entire regiment of mounted soldiers arrive and towards a halt in the forests of the west. Their horses, nerved by the smouldering earth and the columns of smoke still rising into the night sky, Stort and stamped their hooves, prodding back from the glowing patch of earth. Several soldiers dismount and step caref- carefully towards the blazing remains of the strange, massive orb, but they are quickly forced to retreat in the face of the intense heat. Three soldiers, making their way round the perimeter of the patch, suddenly freeze. One of the men Claps, claps his hand to the hilt of his sword and points in your direction as his shout, shouts swing out of the wall of the flaming gulf orbs. A dozen of his brothers in arms rush towards you, calling out for you to swend yourself. You quickly realise you will soon be surrounded. Oh, yeah, I mean, they're just regular soldiers, so I can't even kill them all properly. Yes, I will have to if they catch me, I'll have to surrender until I suddenly disappear through time again. Without warning, a thick, swirling band of grey mist takes form just overhead and swiftly descends, rapidly enveloping you in a churning sea of grey fog. <sighs> Finally! 
you missed. You actually take me at a decent time. A powerful, disorientating sensation washes over you, and the shouts of the approaching soldiers fade to silence. As the grey mist that envelops you slowly begins to dissipate, you lose your balance and pitch forward, instinctively throwing out your hands to keep from striking the ground. Your palms bite into the damp, uneven timbers formerly beneath your feet. You wall onto your back. The shrill cry of nearby gulls and the unmistakable lapping of waves pierce your momentary confusion and serve to portray your location. The last whistle of fog depart and you slowly regain your feet as your eyes look across the bursting fog-shrouded quayside. You immediately recognise the harbour to be that of Port Harlech. Okay, I'm in the right country at least. A pair of passing soldiers, their blue tabards displaying the insignia of the king, stop to ask if you are right. The soldiers seem generally concerned about what you perceive must be a present bewildered appearance. You thank the soldiers and assure them you are fine. They nod, continuing on their way towards a large galleon as the process of being larded. As you shake off the lingering effects of the sudden displacement, the sound of someone moving up from behind you sends your pulse racing. You swiftly spin around and knock your steely gaze upon the thin, hooded figure emerging from the bank of fog, now sweeping across the pier. The familiar face peering out at altitude from beneath the bulky folds of, of a grey cloth hood simultaneously fills you with both profound hope and a deepening sense of dread. So that finishes this scenario. I get 4,096 experience to general, but more importantly, I get 1,024 experience to all skills and powers, which is very, very nice. So the next one is the Elder Throne Part 2, We'll find out exactly what we're doing in Port Harlech, what that boat is, and who we're about to meet. But until then, farewell, fellow adventurers. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.